Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, celebrating 50 years of sharing God's unconditional love and grace. Welcome to the Gospel Truth broadcast. Welcome to a very special edition of the Gospel Truth. You are three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Healing is a part of the atonement of Christ. God wants you well. How can you doubt that you'll get it if you've already got it? You're already blessed. Everything that Jesus came to do, the power for it is released through the gospel, the good news, the nearly too good to be true news. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today I'm teaching on a brand new subject, first time I've ever taught this on television. We're talking about who told you that you were naked. I've got a brand new book out on this. And uh, this subject, it may be a little misleading, but this is an exact quote from a question that Jesus asked uh, Adam. Now, I say it was Jesus. Of course, he wasn't manifest in his physical body, but uh, he existed from the beginning. So God asked Adam this question in Genesis chapter 3 in verse 11, who told you that you were naked? And that's what I'm teaching on this week. I just started last Monday. Let me quickly say that we are in a temporary facility for my television program. Those of you who watch this program on a regular basis know that God has just blessed us. We now have a total of 493 acres at our sanctuary in Woodland Park, Colorado. And we have a 60,000 square foot building that we just acquired last year that we're renovating and we are moving all of my offices, I have about 200 employees down in Colorado Springs that we're moving up here and we're consolidating and reuniting all of my ministry employees together again. And uh, so anyway, we have torn down our set down in Colorado Springs. We're rebuilding it up here in Woodland Park and it's just not done yet. So we are temporarily in one of our conference rooms in our new auditorium at Karis Bible College. And there is construction going on outside, and so you may be able to hear some construction noise. But man, these are the sounds of progress. And lots of good things are happening. So I just wanted to explain why we're on this set today instead of our normal one. So I've been talking about our conscience, that when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that is descriptive of what the conscience does. And I really believe that that's when man acquired a conscience. I mentioned this on Monday's broadcast, but either they had this potential of a conscience already created in Adam and Eve, and when they ate of the tree, it activated and released the conscience, or what I probably believe happened was that when they ate of the tree, it actually gave them a conscience. Prior to their transgression against the Lord, they didn't need a conscience, because a conscience is defined as our ability to know right and wrong, an intuitive inner voice that either condemns us or gives us confidence. Now, I could spend a lot more time explaining that, but I believe that every one of you, if you just be honest and just think about it, we all have this intuitive knowledge on the inside of us. You know, let me just spend a few seconds here um, explaining this because there are people today who believe that uh, some people just don't have any conviction of right and wrong. You will hear people say things such as, you know, about lying or stealing or whatever or, or adultery or homosexuality. You could just put all kinds of things that the Bible labels as sin and uh, you could have 
These people say that they have no conviction, there's nothing wrong with it, they have convinced themselves that there is nothing wrong with this. That is not true. And I know some people say, well, yes, it is true. They, these people say that they, they have no conviction of there being a God or a standard of right and wrong. All of these things are relative. They've been taught us. That is not what the Word of God teaches. Again, you can go back to Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve first sinned. Nobody came and told them anything. They just knew intuitively that they had sinned. They knew intuitively that they had transgressed what God had told them to do, and there was shame and guilt and fear associated with it. And over in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it unto them. Now notice the terminology. It's manifest in them, not just to them, but in them. There is something inside of every single person that knows right and wrong. Now I will say this, that the scripture talks about you can sear your conscience with a hot iron, that you can have an evil conscience. Your conscience is not a perfect guide. It can be corrupted. It can be um, defiled, but everyone has one, and that's what this is talking about. This is saying that God has revealed His wrath against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man. And of course, the Bible is the perfect standard of right and wrong. This is God's evaluation of right and wrong, and it, there is this intuitive knowledge on the inside of every person. It's your conscience, and that constantly is either condemning you are encouraging you, one of the two. And sad to say, most of us, it's condemning us the majority of the time. And then in verse 20, it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. If you put all three of these verses here in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, and if you put them together, it's saying that every person who has ever lived on this planet has an intuitive knowledge of right and wrong on the inside, and even the existence of God. It says even His Godhead, which is talking about the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, there's people that are probably watching this program and says, well, I don't agree with that. Not everybody knows about that. That's what the Bible says. And I know that there are some of you saying, well, I know people that are atheists and they have no conviction and they say that they have no knowledge of God whatsoever. That is not true. I believe the Word of God more than I believe what some people are saying even about themselves. You know, I had an employee one time, and this man, he was raised in a family where they were atheists. They didn't believe that there was a God. And when I got to this point that I'm making right here, he took issue with me, and he loved me. We're good friends. It wasn't, he wasn't mad or anything like that, but he just says, I just can't see that because I was raised not believing in God, and I had no knowledge of God, no conviction of God whatsoever, and yet you're saying that every person has even the intuitive knowledge of God three in one, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I said, I'm basing that on what the Word says. And he says, but that's not true in my experience. And I said, well, it is. I believe the Word of God more than I believe you. I said, I'm not against you, but I said, some way, uh, I can guarantee you there was a knowledge of God. Now, you can deaden yourself to it, 
YOU CAN DENY IT, BUT AT ONE TIME THERE WAS THIS KNOWLEDGE OF GOD IN YOU. SO ANYWAY, HE WENT OFF AND HE WAS THINKING AND PRAYING ABOUT THIS AND HE WAS ASKING THE LORD AND HE SAYS, GOD, DID I EVER HAVE a, AN INTUITIVE KNOWLEDGE OF YOUR EXISTENCE uh, EVEN THOUGH I WAS BROUGHT UP IN AN ATHEISTIC HOME? AND THE LORD REMINDED HIM OF ONE TIME WHEN HE WAS JUST YOUNG, I MEAN LIKE 10, 12 YEARS OLD, SOMETHING LIKE THAT, AND HE CRAWLED UP ON A HILL OVERLOOKING LOS ANGELES. THAT'S WHERE HE LIVED. AND HE WAS SITTING ON THIS HILL AND HE WAS WATCHING THE SUNSET. AND AS THE SUN BEGAN TO SET, HE JUST STARTED SEEING LIGHTS COME ON ALL OVER THE CITY. AND I MEAN, THERE WERE MILLIONS OF LIGHTS, MILLIONS OF THEM. AND HE WAS WATCHING THIS. AS IT GOT DARKER, ALL OF THESE LIGHTS CAME ON AND HE WAS JUST SITTING THERE WATCHING THIS AND THINKING THAT, YOU KNOW, THIS IS AMAZING. EVERY ONE OF THESE LIGHTS HAD TO BE PUT THERE. THEY DIDN'T JUST HAPPEN. SOMEBODY HAD TO PUT THEM THERE. THERE HAD TO BE WIRES RUN TO IT. THERE HAD TO BE ELECTRICITY GENERATED. THERE WERE POLES PUT UP. AND HE WAS JUST THINKING ABOUT ALL OF THE EFFORT THAT IT TOOK TO MAKE ALL OF THESE MILLIONS OF LIGHTS COME ON. AND AS IT GOT TOTALLY DARK, HE WAS SITTING ON THIS HILL AND HE JUST LIFTED HIS EYES UP BEYOND THE CITY AND LOOKED IN THE SKY. AND THERE WERE MILLIONS OF LIGHTS, STARS, IN THE SKY, AND THE THOUGHT CAME TO HIM, AND HE SAID, JUST THE EXACT SAME WAY AS EVERY ONE OF THESE LIGHTS DIDN'T JUST EVOLVE AND HAPPEN. THEY HAD TO BE PUT THERE. EVERY ONE OF THOSE LIGHTS IN THE SKY HAD TO BE PUT THERE. AND HE SAID RIGHT THEN, HE JUST KNEW THERE HAD TO BE A GOD. BUT BECAUSE OF THE HOME THAT HE WAS BROUGHT UP IN, AS HE APPROACHED HIS FAMILY WITH THESE THINGS, THEY DISCREDITED IT ALL, AND HE WAS ABLE TO REJECT IT, BUT AS HE THOUGHT ABOUT IT, THE LORD REMINDED HIM THAT, YES, THERE WAS THIS KNOWLEDGE INSIDE OF HIM AT ONE TIME. AND THIS IS WHAT ROMANS CHAPTER 1, VERSES 18 THROUGH 20 ARE SAYING. EVERY SINGLE PERSON WHO HAS EVER BREATHED UPON THIS PLANET HAD THIS LIKE A HOMING DEVICE ON THE INSIDE OF THEM, A KNOWLEDGE OF RIGHT AND WRONG, A KNOWLEDGE THAT THERE'S ONLY ONE GOD AND THAT YOU ARE NOT HIM. EVERY PERSON HAS THAT. NOW, PEOPLE WILL DENY THAT AND SAY, OH, NO, I HAVE NO CONVICTION OF GOD, BUT I CAN GUARANTEE YOU, ACCORDING TO SCRIPTURE, EVERYBODY AT ONE TIME HAD THIS. YOU KNOW, I HAD A MAN IN VIETNAM WHO I WAS DOING A BIBLE STUDY, AND I HAD ABOUT SIX OR SEVEN PEOPLE THERE IN THIS BIBLE STUDY, AND THIS IS RIGHT AFTER I GOT TURNED ON TO THE LORD, AND I DIDN'T KNOW VERY MUCH OF THE WORD OF GOD. AND um, ANYWAY, HE CAME IN, AND HE SAT THERE FOR JUST A FEW MOMENTS, BUT THEN HE STARTED ASKING QUESTIONS. AND HE WAS ASKING QUESTIONS AND I DIDN'T KNOW WHAT THE ANSWER TO HIM WERE. AND HE BEGAN TO MOCK ME AND RIDICULE ME. AND HE STOOD UP AND HE SAYS, THERE IS NO GOD. HE SAYS, I'M AN ATHEIST. YOU CAN'T PROVE THERE'S A GOD. AND HE JUST LET ME HAVE IT. AND ANYWAY, HE SAYS, I'M LEAVING. AND ALL OF MY BIBLE STUDY WENT WITH HIM. <laughs> DIDN'T GO VERY WELL. AND THIS WAS IN A CHAPEL ON OUR uh, HILL THAT WE WERE ON. AND SO ANYWAY, AFTER THEY ALL LEFT, I WAS JUST SITTING THERE PRAYING AND SAYING, GOD, WHAT COULD I HAVE DONE DIFFERENTLY? GIVE ME ANOTHER CHANCE. AND AS I WAS PRAYING, THIS GUY WALKS BACK IN BY HIMSELF. AND HE COMES UP TO ME AND HE SAYS, I WANT WHAT YOU'VE GOT. AND I WAS SHOCKED BECAUSE HE HAD OUT-ARGUED ME AND HE HAD TAKEN MY BIBLE STUDY WITH HIM AND CONVINCED THEM THERE WAS NO GOD. IT LOOKED LIKE HE HAD WON AND YET HE CAME BACK SAYING, I WANT WHAT YOU'VE GOT. AND I SAID, SO, so WHY? AND HE SAID, I'M A PRINCETON GRADUATE. I'M AN INTELLECTUAL. MY WHOLE LIFE IS BASED ON MY INTELLECT AND ON MY ABILITY TO ARGUE. AND HE SAYS, I OUT-ARGUED YOU. I MADE A FOOL OUT OF YOU IN FRONT OF ALL THESE OTHER PEOPLE. AND HE SAYS, BUT YOU HAVE SOMETHING THAT IS BEYOND AN ARGUMENT. YOU'VE GOT AN EXPERIENCE. 
you know that there's a God. You've got a relationship with Him. He says, I want what you have. And I was able to lead this man to the Lord. And so see, he was sitting here espousing to people that there was no God and he had arguments that were better than my arguments at the time. But on a heart level, he knew that there was a God. And did you know, every person watching this program right now, you may have argued yourself, you may be able to live in your mind and convince yourself that there is no God or, you know, all of these other mind games that people get into. But on a heart level, you know that there's a God. If you put a gun to a person's head who says they're an atheist, they're going to say, Oh, God! They'll immediately cry out to this God that they say they don't believe in. When I was in Vietnam, man, there was lots of people who claimed to be atheists, but when the bombs got to dropping and the bullets flying, every one of them cried out to this God that they said they didn't believe in. So my point is, on a heart level, there is an intuitive knowledge of our need for God, the existence of God. And it says here in Romans 1:20, even His eternal power and Godhead, talking about the Trinity. You know, when I was in Vietnam, there was a place just outside of my brigade headquarters, and there were three temples that were about four or five stories tall. And they were built so close to each other that uh, I never went up to the temples and I drove by, so I'm not totally sure on all of these dimensions, but they were so close together, it looked like you could not squeeze in between these three buildings. They were three separate buildings, and yet they were definitely a complex. They were all, three of them made up something that was meant to be together. And uh, they were old. The uh, uh, brick on them had uh, started decaying. Trees were growing out of the sides and off the roofs and everything like this. I actually have a, a picture of this that I took. And so um, anyway, I asked about this and I said, what are these three buildings? And anyway, they explained to me that those were temples to, to one God that manifested Himself in three people and it predated the message of Christianity coming to Vietnam by 500 years. So 500 years before anybody brought the gospel and the Bible and told them about what the Bible says about Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they had this intuitive knowledge of God existing and manifesting Himself in three parts. And you know, I've not only seen this in Vietnam, but in Mexico. I also was at a place there and we had a guided tour of Chichen Itza, a place where the Aztecs used to have these human sacrifices and stuff. And he showed us that they worshiped one God manifest in three parts. Now, I am not saying that the, the Aztecs and the Vietnamese prior to Christianity coming there were worshiping God in a true way, but it does reflect that they had this knowledge on the inside. They may have perverted it, and I believe they did pervert it, and it wasn't the true worship of God that we have revealed to us today, but nonetheless, it shows that this scripture is true that inside of everybody there is this intuitive knowledge. Where did it come from? When Adam and Eve ate of the tree, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil gave them a conscience, gave them an awareness that there is a God and that they had transgressed and it immediately brought shame. The immediate results of this, it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, that the eyes of them both were opened. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And when they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. 
Why did they hide themselves? Adam goes on to say he was afraid. It says in verse 9, The Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Did you know fear was something that was unknown to Adam and Eve prior to eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? There was no such thing as fear. There was no such thing as shame. There was no such thing as guilt and condemnation. All of these things came when they ate of the tree, and it just intuitively put within them this conscience that is a fact of life today, but it can be a blessing in some ways, but it also can be a terrible curse. And this is what this whole teaching that I'm doing is about, is about how your conscience functions, how you have to deal with it, and how you have to purge your conscience from dead works. So when Adam said that I was afraid, I hid myself because I was naked. In verse 11, God said unto him, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree? In other words, this tree, and I don't believe it's just talking about a physical, the physical tree. The tree is where that came from, but he's talking about that conscience. The conscience was produced in man when they ate of the tree, and he's saying that conscience is what the thing that condemned them. It wasn't the devil directly, and it wasn't God. It was this knowledge of good and evil, this tree. And this conscience is the part that is condemning us. Now, this has a lot of applications to us today. There's a lot of people that just think that this guilt, this sense of unworthiness, this shame that they deal with, they think that it's God. And just like Adam and Eve, because of that, they run from God instead of running to Him. I'm telling you that God is for you. God wants to cleanse your conscience. God wants to purge your conscience. God wants to give you a heart that is completely free of any guilt and any condemnation. Now, those are not just things I'm saying. The Scripture says that. I've already quoted this verse, I think, every single day, but Hebrews chapter 10, verse 2, the last part of it says that because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, we should have no more conscience of sin. You should not be living in shame. You should not be living with guilt and condemnation. Not because you've done everything right, because none of us have done that. But the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ will purge our conscience from dead works so that we can serve the living God. Man, that is a powerful, powerful statement. And so we've got to recognize that this condemnation isn't coming from God. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. You could say the law of sin and then fear, shame, guilt, condemnation, all of the things that come as a result of sin. You know, when Adam and Eve ate of the tree, the Lord told them this in Genesis chapter 2 and in verse 17. He says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. In the day. Did you know that according to Genesis chapter 5 verse 5, it says that Adam lived to be 930 years old. So they didn't physically die the day they ate of the tree, and yet God told them in the day that they ate of the tree thereof, they would die. He said you would surely die. 
Did you know in the original Hebrew what this says is, Thou shalt die, die. It used this word twice. It put the word there twice, which just emphasized that it was emphatic, it was guaranteed, it was going to happen in the very day that you eat of this fruit, you die. And yet they didn't physically die until 930 years later. So how do you reconcile this? Death in Scripture doesn't mean just physical death, but it's separation from God. In the day that they ate of that fruit, they would be separated from God. Man was created in unity with God, in union with God, in fellowship with God. But when they leaned unto their own understanding and did things their way, that separated them from God spiritually. In the spirit man, they died instantly. There's many New Testament scriptures, Romans, uh, chapter 4, 5, and 6 talks about that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. Our spiritual man died. And this is the reason that Jesus said in John chapter 3 that you must be born again. Because our first birth, we were born with a spirit that was separated from God, and we have to be born again. That's not your physical body being born again, but your spirit is born again. Your spirit is now born from above. It comes from God when you make Jesus your Lord. And you have to receive this new birth. But it was in the Spirit that they died. And then everything that came as a result of that sin is a byproduct of the spiritual death that we experienced. Did you know when, they, when a person dies physically, for Adam it was 930 years later, that was just the byproduct. That was the end result of the immediate spiritual death that he had. And so I want you to get this concept that death doesn't mean ceasing to exist the way some people ex uh, express that today. But instead, it just means separation. When a person dies physically, did you know that you don't cease to exist? According to uh, James chapter 2, verse 26, it says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That shows you that when your spirit leaves your body, that's death. And so your spirit doesn't cease to exist. It just leaves your body. This body's kind of similar to a coat or a jacket or something. The only reason, if I was wearing a jacket, or let me just use the example of this shirt. If you were to just take this shirt, and if it wasn't on me, I guarantee you it'd just fall to the ground. I have to be in it. It's clothing me. That's what gives this shirt its ability to move and do things. Well, the real me isn't my physical body, it's my spirit man. My body is just like a shirt, a something that I'm clothed with. It's my earth suit. You know, if I want to go out into space, I can't exist in space uh, with just this physical body. I have to put on a space suit. If I want to exist on this earth, my spirit and soul have to have a body to inhabit. And when a person physically dies, it's just the separation of your spirit and your soul from your body. You still exist, but you aren't existing in this physical body anymore. So Adam and Eve, when they ate of the tree, they died that instant, but it took 930 years for his physical body to die. Anyway, I've run out of time, and I'm just now getting to a great point. You're going to have to listen in again tomorrow, or you can ask for this material that we're offering. I've got a brand new book entitled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? And this is the first time we've ever offered this. I'd encourage you to get it. We've also got CDs and DVDs on this brand new teaching. Our announcer is going to give you all of the information about how to get this. 
I encourage you to listen. Please call or write and get these materials and join me again tomorrow as we continue the gospel truth. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the gospel truth. Andrew would like to extend a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible for us to broadcast this message consistently all around the world. Because of your contributions, we've been able to put free ministry materials into the hands of millions in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. Let me mention once again that I've got a brand new book entitled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? This is actually a study in the conscience. It wasn't God that told Adam he was naked. It wasn't the devil. It was his conscience, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I not only have the book, but I have CDs, and I also have DVDs that were taken from our television program. And I tell you, this teaching would really, really help you to have a confidence and an assurance and a boldness with God. So listen to our announcer as he gives you information how you can receive this product. Andrew's teaching titled, Who Told You That You Were Naked? is available in a four-part CD album or in a DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. You can also get this teaching in book form. The teaching highlighted in today's series is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111. If the lines are busy, remember you can order ministry materials or become a Grace Partner 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at awmi.net. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of December, Andrew will be hosting a special holiday production titled The Heart of Christmas at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park. The Heart of Christmas is an unforgettable mix of modern day and biblical stories with heartwarming, familiar seasonal songs and American traditions that represent the true meaning of the season. In January, to welcome in the new year, Andrew will be in Glendale, Arizona for the annual Phoenix Gospel Truth Conference. And in February, he'll be in Orlando and Oakland, Florida. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. Sometimes a gift. Once upon a time, many years ago, in the ancient land of Persia, can change your life forever.
generation to generation, one family searching for the heart of Christmas. Andrew would like to offer you the Heart of Christmas DVD for just $25. Order your copy today at awmi.net.